0: I think the whole thing is bogus. Your origin of the expression, once in a blue moon, has nothing to do with astronomy.
1: Welcome to the Common Errors in English Usage podcast. I'm here with Paul Bryant, author of the Common Errors in English Usage website and book, I'm the editor of that book and host of this weekly podcast, Tom Sumner. Hello, Paul. Hi, Tom. We've talked about your blog posts in the past, uh, talked about something that you wrote about dating sites, and we talked a little bit about the blog. I hope now and again on this podcast, talk about some of your interesting blog posts from the past uh, people may have missed. And one of those that was one of my favorites was titled Moody Blues. Right. And uh of course it ca- catches you right away because uh Moody Blues was the name of the, of the 60s uh over the top uh proto progressive rock band um, that is almost a joke in itself. Um, you know, if you, but they can be taken seriously too, I guess.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't think I have any Moody Blues recordings. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you know, they they were "Knights in White Satin." Oh yes, you know, they I just... do. In fact,
0: I have the greatest hits. I remember. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 and um, you know, "Knights in White Satin" was the sort of one that um, uh, it's it's on one level, it's quite serious and and to be taken seriously. Uh, Self serious. Yes, and in the other, another level it's only to be mocked, and, and it seems silly. Well, and it also has
0: the pun of the title, Knights in White Satin. either it means spending the evening hours between the silk satin sheets or uh, being a knight on horseback in a fancy costume.
1: Yes, right. So, yes, they, they, they prided themselves on being very literary that way. Uh, so... Moody Blues was one, and so when I, when, you, when I saw the title, I had no idea what you were going to be talking about, but um, uh, I enjoyed this one. It, it turns out you're exploring the origins of the expression once in a blue moon.
0: Right, and doing a lot of digging around in the Oxford English Dictionary. This is a resource that's available to me as a retired professor through my university library, and the ordinary person doesn't like to pay to have a subscription. I highly recommend, though, that if you're interested in language and you think you might have any use for the OED, which is the most authoritative source for the history of language, um, you should contact your local library. It may be, especially if you're at a school, but even if you're at a large public system, they may be able to provide you free access to the OED. Uh, Lots of older people have the one-volume compilation that was given away free for signing up for a book club back in the 60s and 70s, you had to read it with a magnifying glass. But the OED continues to be expanded and revised at a tremendous rate, Uh, and there's much more of it online than is in the printed form. Uh, They don't even make a printed version anymore. So uh, I really encourage people to use it. The only problem is when I cite it, uh, in public discussions on websites, sometimes people come back, well, oh, what those people at Oxford know about American English, which is totally bogus because there's plenty of Americans who work on it. And the other thing is they, they can't check to see whether I'm right or wrong or whether I'm misquoting because they don't have a subscription. So yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that's, I think, probably underrated uh, these days because so often if you want to know anything, you will just get on the Internet and search around, and a few clicks later you come across something that is at least somewhat authoritative and get your answer there. And I think the perception of the Oxford English Dictionary is that... um, It distinguishes itself because it just has every single word from the English language that ever was. That's why it's so big, but that's not the reason why it's so big. The reason why it's so big is that it has so much uh, information about where where these words came from, where these expressions came from, and so much study of the history of, of it. And that's where the expansion comes in. And those are the things that are worth uh, digging into. Am I right? Right.
0: And the way it works is that it breaks down a word into its different meanings. Of course, different parts of speech. Sometimes uh, blue is an adjective, obviously, but the blues is a noun, and those would have separate entries. And then within that, it gives you the earliest meaning of invariant spellings, and you can go all the way back to Anglo-Saxon sometimes for the first entry. And the earliest meaning is not necessarily at all the current meaning. And uh, then it gives you examples. it tells you well here is the first place in print or written down we've ever found this particular word and it gives you the context and then uh, it gives you later examples so that you can sort of trace the history and evolution and there are often uh, comments that the editors put in about the word and sometimes about usage questions so there's just a, a mine of information about all kinds of words including sometimes phrases they don't cover all phrases by any means but uh, I did find blue moon, and that was really interesting for me. So I'll just start with uh, my my blog introduction. Once in the blue moon is a traditional expression, meaning once in a great while. Here's the entry on this saying from the American Heritage Dictionary of Idioms. Now, this is a, a hardbound one that I have mm-hmm. rarely, once in a very long time, as in, we only see our daughter once in a blue moon. This term is something of a misnomer because an actual blue moon, that is, the appearance of a second full moon in the same calendar month, occurs every 32 months or so. Further, the moon can appear blue in color at any time, depending on weather conditions. And then in brackets, it is early 1800s. But it turns out to be much more complicated than the Heritage Dictionary says. Right.
1: Now, can I just stop you right there for a second? Because in I commonly, before I read your post and started thinking about it and uh, getting into it, I commonly thought that that was sort of the beginning and the end of it. The blue moon was the second full moon in the calendar month. Right, right.
0: And that's what most people will say. But the Oxford English Dictionary gives us its first definition, the literal meaning. Now, the first definition in a usual dictionary is going to be the most authoritative, the most common, the one you should probably rely on in the Oxford English dictionary. It can be just the first one that ever occurred in historically. And that's very different. So, um, people often will say, this must be the real meaning because it's the first meaning listed, well, it works differently in the OED. So it gives its first definition as literal, a moon real depicted or imagined that appears blue. On rare occasions, the moon can appear distinctly blue, owing to the presence of smoke or dust particles in the atmosphere. Then go on to the second definition in the OED, and there we get the figurative meaning. A long or indefinite length of time, a rarely recurring period or event. The OED cites, uh, this is its first example, which was written in 1821. How's Harry and Ben haven't seen you this blue moon? 1821 is, uh, well, that's fairly recent by language standards. Then it defines once in a blue moon as rarely, exceptionally, and gives the first example from 1833. We are no advocates for the eternal system of producing foreign operas to the exclusion of the works of English composers, but once in a blue moon such a thing may be allowed. Um, Very Tony yes selection there. <laughs> yeah
1: now uh just to back up a second now you've transitioned now from just calendar months uh that sort of pretty cut and dried definition now you've introduced this thing from the oed where they talk about a moon that actually looks like it's blue right have you ever seen a blue looking moon does the moon ever look blue to you
0: um, it's not really. Um, I've, I've certainly... seen orange moons. Oh yeah. And uh, during the recent eclipse, I was out trying to photograph it and uh, it was plenty orange, but, um, I I'm taking the OED's word for it that with the right kind of smoke or haze, you might get a bluish tinge.
1: I'm trying to take their word for it too. So I'm, I'm thinking, but I, I'm thinking if I do take that quite literally once in a blue moon would be never for me cuz i don't i don't ever remember seeing a moon that i would call blue
0: well for an event to be defined as rare it doesn't have to be something you've seen rarely it's just that anybody's seen it rarely so i think I think that still
1: works right so this it still works because it's it, whatever it is. It's really rare.
0: Okay. Finally, the OED has an extensive note on modern American usage, which makes clear that the definition provided by the American Heritage Dictionary of Idioms is not one the, the one intended in the early 19th century. And here's uh, what this definition is, and this is one you usually see cited. If you look up "blue moon" on the internet, it's you're likely to get this. U.S. Originally the third full moon in a season which exceptionally contains four full moons. Each season as defined by the mean sun normally containing three full moons. Now that one they list is now hist which means historical. It means originally when people started referring to having an extra moon it was not an extra moon in a month but an extra moon in a season. That would be a quarter. In later use a second full moon in a calendar month, that's the one that people usually cite. So if you have a a second uh, full moon in a month, the same month, as shown in Sky and Telescope, 1999, the later use of the term originated in a misunderstanding of a quotation from the Maine Farmer's Almanac uh, by an author that uh, is quoted later, and I'll get to those two quotations in a minute. But a blue moon in the original Maine Farmer's Almanac sense can only occur in the months of February, May, August, and November. In the later sense, one can occur in any month, except February. This later sense gained currency from its use in the United States radio program Stardate in 1980, and its inclusion in the game Trivial Pursuit in 1986. So this idea of just the second moon in a calendar month is really... Uh, fairly recent, definitely mid 20th century.
1: That is quite recent. And um, Stardate, uh, do they still produce Stardate programs?
0: I don't know. I, th- I think I may have heard one when traveling recently. on local stations don't carry it.
1: Mm-hmm. It was a small, it was a short, two or three minute segment telling you what was going on in the stars. So uh, in 1980, they were they were promoting this idea that the full moon was the second. Second full moon in a calendar month. Now it's interesting to me that if you go by the seasonal one, uh, obviously the se- if roughly there are, you could say roughly there are twelve moons in a calendar year because each and each season is three months, so it would make sense that you would have three moons. in a but every once in a while you've got a you've got four moons in a season. But it's not the fourth moon that's the blue moon. It's the third one. You know, I, I thought that was pretty interesting, and and I did not know that one. So uh, now we've got Stardate promoting and Trivial Pursuit promoting the idea. And then they get one of the
0: things that happens a lot is that people will cite a source, but then they don't investigate the reliability of the source. We're all familiar with this on Facebook. People will pass around quotations that they never made. Uh, I was just watching John Oliver last weekend talking about this quotation about gun control that I've seen posted numerous times he says he never said it and he says he's read it now so many times he's beginning to doubt whether he said it or not
1: <laughs> yeah, anyway yeah. Uh, so the right. OED comments on
0: this Maine Farmer's Almanac thing early occurrences of the sense given in the Maine Farmer's Almanac have not been traced either in editions of the Almanac prior to 1937 or elsewhere the source of this application of the term, if it is not a coinage by the editor, H.P. Trefevin, is unclear. So here's this quotation from 1937, Maine Farmer's Almanac, for August uh, 21st. "The This extra moon had a way of coming in each of the seasons so that it could not be given a name appropriate to the time of year, like the other moons. It was usually called the blue moon there are seven blue moons in a lunar cycle of 19 years. That's not a terribly clear definition, but that's evidently the root from which this whole concept began. So, probably this would have just uh, laid laid fallow in the 1937 Maine Farmer's Almanac until, if it hadn't been publicized in 1946 by J. H. Pruitt writing in Sky and Telescope, who uh, quotes a Dr. L. J. LaFleur as quoting the Maine Farmer's Almanac, Full moons of the year were given names, provided there was only one per month. These names were as follows, moon after yule, wolf moon, lenten moon, etc. But seven times in 19 years there were, and still are, 13 full moons in a year. This gives 11 months with one full moon each and one with two. This second in a month, so I interpret it, was called blue moon. Well, this, this one gives us off in another direction yet. I mean, we're getting all kinds of explanations for what a blue moon is. This one particularly complicated.
1: Yes, uh, it's bad enough when we go go back to the um, previous definition where blue moons can only appear in certain months. Yeah, they can only occur in the months of February, May, August, and November. So theoretically, if one of those, if there was another month that had a, a blue moon, no. but I guess that, I guess what that meant was if that was the third moon of the season, it would only be possible to have a third, a three out of four, it would only be possible to have one in those months because the season turns the the following month. So the, if the season turns in March, uh, June, September, and December, those are the equinoxes, then it's only possible to have a blue moon in the month preceding that because that would be the third moon of out of four. Now, the, this newer one, from Sky and Telescope that you just went over was talking about seven times. Yeah, boy, yeah, that, we are going all over. Yeah, and world. I don't think
0: we need to wrap our minds <laughs> around this because I think the whole thing is bogus. So I think the supposed expression or origin of the expression once in a blue moon has nothing to do with astronomy and everything to do with the condition of the atmosphere on rare occasions. I think it's a popular mm-hmm, mm-hmm. expression it probably did go back to this idea that well just every once in a while you look up on the moon has a sort of a bluish cast to it it's unpredictable irregular mm-hmm. and not something that has to do with astronomy but with our earthbound atmosphere
1: but you see this well, you you know what's going on with the farmer's almanac and the and the other explanations is they want to take that sort of romantic idea of the blue moon and turn it into, create some scientific foundation for it, to explain it, to give it a true... Yeah, definition. and of course there's
0: the classic song, Blue Moon, so that uh, mm-hmm. would make people think about it a lot too. So the, so rare is this condition that some people suppose that the expression is one sort of blue mood. And there are a number of examples in the eggcorn forum. Uh, Have we talked about the Acorn Forum before? Uh,
1: We haven't on the podcast, no, but I've talked about the Acorn Forum in real life, outside of the podcast. Well, that's very entertaining. (laughs) They have
0: pretty strict ideas about what makes an acorn, and and I won't go into the details about it at this point, but there is an entry from somebody who has been collecting uh, examples of Blue Mood uh, from the web, and here are some of the ones he got.
1: Can I just uh, sidetrack for just a second, just to gloss the word acorn, if you want to get a quick idea of what an acorn is in your book, acorn, yes, (laughs) in your book, uh, if you go to the back of the book and you look up misheard expressions, those are ones that people imagine that they hear and they created their own explanation for why they go that way. So something like for all intents and purposes becomes for all intensive purposes. And people create some explanation in their heads why the expression should go for all intensive purposes. Right, that one's on the cover of the book, actually. And that's on the cover of the book right there. But uh, all all of those ones that are listened and are misheard, I think most or all of those could be defined as acorns. It's simply a, a, an expression that you hear one way and you say it. Uh, the way you think you hear it, but that's not really the way it The goes. people that run
0: the eggcorn uh, database have a stricter definition, though. They say that the mistaken uh, formation has to make sense so that the person is not just slipping in the wrong word, but uh, reanalyzing the word so that it has, it shifts in meaning because of the way that they've re-spelled it. So a lot of times they'll they'll turn down nominations. So anyway, here's here's
1: yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. with with the ex, you have to create an explanation in your mind for why that works. Right. Anyway, so here's yeah, the ones ahead.
0: that uh, David Bird contributed. Um, this is from a, a Circle of Moms discussion group. The only word he has said so far is "da," and that's only once in a blue mood. Um, here's one from a storytelling site. I knew I know a vegetarian that eats candy once in a blue mood, so it's possible mm-hmm. they could be eating gummy bears secretly. Um, unfortunately, let's see, unfortunately, if you don't get them serviced regularly due to the fact that an engine fire is once in a blue mood, then you have the problem of forgetting about a cylinder with gas charged at very high pressure and letting it corrode somewhere in the bilges with much greater risk than an engine fire is sometimes to do with engines and boats and, uh, one from a site called blue light. I am mainly straight, but do have girl crushes once in a blue mood. So, it uh, it does turn up around, and that's how I uh, got around to calling this uh, moody blues as a title, putting those two words together.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: To have the blues is to be moody, so it's not surprising that blue should be more readily associated by some people with mood than with moon. Of course, the variant lacks the intended meaning, since blue moods are all too common among many people. Uh, so they would not be rare, like a blue moon. Note that the examples given in the egg-corn form refer mostly to happy events, not depressing ones. In popular music, blues are often sad, but upbeat songs can be written in blues form as well. And uh, here's a quotation from Wikibooks. Many blues songs also deal with the topics of personal pride, defiance, or other powerful emotions than woe, such as love or anger. While blues lyrics seldom turn to extremely happy topics, they are often uplifting and empowering or humorous. It cannot be said that blues is a sad genre. The blues are a way of dealing with sorrow rather than wallowing in it. Which I thought was an interesting analysis. You often see blues singers saying blues is not just about being down and sad, but I thought that was a pretty good analysis.
1: Yes, yeah. Yeah, nice. My
0: favorite allusion to blue meaning sad is in the title of Duke Ellington's classic, Mood Indigo. And Ellington um, really prided himself on his vocabulary, vocabulary and uh, was a very elegant speaker. And indigo, of course, is a, a, a deep blue color. So it'd be a, a darker mood than just an ordinary, certainly not uh, a sky blue mood would uh, not be unhappy at all. And ind- indigo would be very
1: dark. And the inversion of of the blue mood to mood indigo, uh, lead, you're you let in with the word right. mood. And then it's defined further by indigo, which is, it's dark.
0: It's a beautiful tune. Though. Um, and this is from yeah. 1930. Now, uh, we get another meaning of uh, blue, uh when the slightly racy stage play, The Moon is Blue, was made into a film in 1953, it caused a controversy which helped break down the Prudish Hollywood production code. Blue can also mean erotic when it refers to reading matter or movies. And people used to talk about blue films when they meant pornographic films. Um I, I still run across that occasionally in um it's it. It seems to have occurred with this stage play being called "The Moon Is Blue," and that's at least as far as I I could trace it. I couldn't.
1: Oh, that's couldn't find any
0: other yeah. earlier examples of blueness. We, we don't usually think of blue as a particularly racy color. Blue is is cool. Red is hot, right? So it's um, it's a peculiar mm-hmm. usage. And then I added. Isn't the moon supposed to be made of blue cheese? Nope, green cheese, but not in the way you might suppose. And that itself, I talked about the dark side of the moon in one of these earlier uh, podcasts. And there is uh, an interesting page about why did people once think the moon was made out of cheese? And uh, this is um, Today I Found Out, which is interesting. Uh, I'll just read the little entry here. It's it's an interesting page. Um, A jokey answer to the question, why did people think the moon was made of green cheese? Because it was formed in the Milky Way. In fact, nobody ever really thought the moon was made of green cheese. Well, there are nutters out there, so it's possible that there was at least one person who thought the moon was made of cheese. And kids used to sometimes believe the moon was made of cheese thanks to various fables, but kids will believe anything. For instance, in 1902 it was found that the most common theory as to what the moon was made of, according to children in the United States, was that it was made of cheese. But these children weren't exactly setting the bar high, as other popular responses for them were things like yellow paper, dead people, and rags. So other than lunatics and children who were told so by their parents via fables, nobody seriously ever thought the moon was made of cheese. Another common misconception surrounding the moon slash green cheese thing is that the green here is referring to the color green. While there are actually green cheeses, what the green signifies here is new or fresh. So the moon is made of new cheese. This was a common way to refer to cheese, where the whey either hadn't yet all been pressed out or had just been removed from the curds, in other words, cheese that has not been aged at all. So. Uh, How did this moon-is-made-of-green-cheese-thing all start and become popularized? It isn't entirely clear who first came up with the expression, but it became extremely common starting in the mid-sixteenth century. The credit for the person to come up with the expression usually goes to famed French monk and scholar François Rabelais, or English writer John Haywood. Haywood first used it in the Proverbs of John Haywood, written in 1546. circumquacks to make me believe, or think that the moon is made of green cheese. That's spelled G-R-E-E-N-E, so you know it's only time spelling. And when ye have made me a lout in all these, it seemeth you would make me go to bed at noon. And O-O-N-E. So basically the expression itself simply was used to refer to something so ludicrous that only the extremely gullible would believe it another early example using the statement in the same way can be found in fifteen sixty five at shacklock's hatch of heresies whilst they tell for truth luther his loud lies so that they may make their blind brotherhood and the ignorant sort believe that the moon is made of green cheese this case is grene ch One of the entertaining things about reading Older English is there weren't any rules for spelling back then. You just spelled it however you thought sounded good. And it's notorious Mm -hmm. that Shakespeare's signature occurs with at least three different spellings, all by him. Mm -hmm. Yet another early reference from John Wilkins' New World Book, 1638, which is explicitly clear as to the meaning of the expression, and that it had become common. You may as soon persuade some country peasants that the moon is made of green cheese, as we say, as that tis bigger than his cartwheel. While in the early days it was used just to signify gullibility, in the last couple centuries many started thinking that people actually used to believe this, which is kind of ironic if you think about it. This is not unlike how people started believing that most thought the world was flat during the Middle Ages, when in truth in many parts of the world people have known the world wasn't flat for well over 2,000 years. For instance, Eratosthenes, at the time the head librarian at the Library of Alexandria, around 240 B.C., not only knew the earth was round, as most Greek scholars did at that time, but managed to become the first known person to calculate the circumference of the earth accurately, only off by about 2%. He also calculated the distance from the earth to the sun, and was off by only half a percent. Not only that, but he calculated the tilt of the earth on its axis and was off by less than half a degree. Another amazing accomplishment by Eratosthenes was that he basically invented the discipline of geography with its remarkable three-book treatise Geographica. You can learn more about this on the page called The Amazing Eratosthenes. So, we've gone from blue to green. And then so I tried to tie it all up. Uh, by saying, "Well, we have those those blue movies," um, a lot of blue movies are cheesy.
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, now that that was news to me too—that the uh, green cheese thing refers to new cheese, not not the color right,
0: green. Right. You'd, probably, I would have thought of Swiss cheese with holes in it. All those craters.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think I remember that being thrown around a little bit too as a as a kid. Was the moon was made of Swiss uh-huh. cheese? Uh huh. As a as a variation on that, but green cheese. But of course, it wasn't. It, it, I've never seen a green moon nor a blue one. So, uh, that, it makes more sense to me that it's the new cheese, not the green cheese. The color grade. Right. Now, you, this explication on this uh, expression "once in a blue moon" reminds me of some other work that you've done, Paul, that uh, I've seen. Uh, you have a page called Mr. Gradgrind's Literal Literal Answers to Rhetorical Questions. And I'm going to leave that for another day to discuss that. But that's a whole page of you discussing literal answers to questions such as, what's once in a blue moon mean? And you might be able to come up with all kinds of scientific explanations, but in the end, it's just a silly thing. The blue moon... It's just a moon that appears to be blue.
0: That page uh, is uh, something I wrote all of in one piece many years ago. And because it's kind of buried in my personal website, it doesn't get a whole lot of traffic, but it got some national publicity ones. And uh, I think it's pretty entertaining. So uh, we'll talk about that soon, I think.
1: Oh, I hope so. Well, thank you, Paul, for explaining everything there is to know about the expression once in a blue moon.
0: Well, everything I know,
1: anyway. All right. It's good talking <laughs> to okay, you. so long, alright Bye-bye. That'll do it for the Common Errors in English Usage podcast. Send your comments, questions, and feedback to commonerrorspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.